0: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands. And are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hello again, fiends. Welcome to Nightmare on Film Street. Horror for the casually obsessed. I'm John. I'm Kim. And this week, we are coming at you with another... Uh, Fiend Club episode from the vaults at Patreon uh, that we're sharing with you in the regular podcast feed. Last week, we did part five of the Never Sleep Again series. If you missed that, we highly encourage you to go back and check it. We we watched all the Nightmare on Elm Street movies with zero sleep, recording a podcast for each movie. This week, though, we're bringing you part five of the Midnight at Camp Blood series, where we, not all in one sitting, watched every Friday the 13th movie.
1: Yeah, and we recorded an episode for each. The Fian Club was voting, and they picked this one as one of their favorites of the series. And we figured we would share it to you guys in the regular feed as a little holiday treat while we take our extended break. Basically, we're just watching movies for fun, and we're banking up podcasts. You know, we're trying
0: to get, trying to get a little head. I thought recording. you were saying.
1: I thought you were going to say making pancakes, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah there's
0: a lot pancakes. of that." Yeah. yeah. yeah we'll watch <laughs> The Midnight at Camp Blood series, uh, I had a, we, we had a lot of fun editing and putting together. Earlier in the summer, Kim and I built a sort of backyard movie theater. Basically, we put two posts very straight. It's
1: legit, guys. It's legit. It's,
0: yeah, and we, we string up a big, like, fabric screen between it and put a movie on the projector. So we watched each of these movies, the Friday the 13th movies, outside with, like, the ambience of bugs and stuff. It was and, very humid every single night. And
1: darkness. Let's oh, not man, forget so fucking the, dark. the endless dark.
0: We would occasionally hear the sound of something walking in the forest, and we would just pack up and go inside.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we did have grand intentions of recording the entire series outside, but, you know, for sound quality's sake, we instead decided to go with a little bit of an immersive podcast for you. So that entire series has a lot of added ambiance, and uh, it's meant to be listened to Um, I guess, I want to say with headphones, but you can listen to it however you want.
0: Yeah, do whatever you want. I I love how you say ambiance, like it's... uh, Ambiance. Something to be... It's a Jason of?
1: Voorhees is coming to stalk you in each and every episode.
0: Yeah, so that's the thing. So we we tried to make it sound like you were sitting around a campfire with us talking about, you know, the tale of Jason Voorhees. You can hear campfire sounds. You can hear bug sounds. And one of my favorites, which kind of drove me mad after a little while, was that any time we mentioned the name Jason Voorhees. You hear that sound. We do a lot less rating in this podcast series uh, but we, at the end of each episode, rate the cabin, the, the, the campground that the, the film is set on, if it has one. Some of them don't. Uh, we rate the Jason. And obviously, we, we, we build our own franchise ranking.
1: I think part five is a great one to go with because it's not one of the first ones that people usually mention as their favorite. But I totally the black
0: sheep of the franchise. I feel
1: like every time you revisit it, it's like a remind it reminds you. You're like, Oh, part five is actually pretty great.
0: Yeah, and I learned from you in this episode that it seems like it should have been, could have been the goriest Friday the thirteenth movie ever made. And you can you can really see the evidence of that in the theatrical cut. Yeah,
1: the, the kills all want to go there. <laughs> yeah, and
0: by the sounds of it, maybe almost did, but we, uh, you know, are left with this weird sore thumb that grow that grows in appreciation every time we see it. It is still bizarre. It is one of the odder Friday the Thirteenth movies, but uh, but I I'd say that I am at maximum appreciation of a new beginning right
1: now. More than Takes Manhattan.
0: I'm not saying it's my favorite. <laughs> I'm saying that I think I, it is, I'm, I've reached the ceiling of how much I could enjoy this movie.
1: And that's a 6.5. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: So without further ado, we're going to toss you over to part five of the Midnight at Camp Blood series. You can binge the entire thing right now on Patreon at nofspodcast.com slash club, as well as all the Never Sleep Again episodes. We hope you enjoy this episode, and we hope you're holding fast on your New Year's resolutions, whatever they are.
1: (laughs) We'll be back at you again next week with a regular Nightmare on Film Street episode, and we are cooking up some good stuff for 2023. I have no idea what that means, but hopefully it means good things. Uh, We're going to be recording episodes and then releasing them on Thursdays, as you expect. (laughs)
2: Howdy, fiends, and welcome to another Terrifying Fiend Club exclusive episode of Nightmare on Film Street. We've dug a grave just for you. Enjoy.
0: Hello again, campers, and welcome to Midnight at Camp Blood, now conveniently located at Pinehurst Villa. You're here because you're troubled. (laughs) And we think the cure is more horror movies. Me and my co-counselor, Kimberly.
1: Hi! (laughs) Uh, Don't worry, guys. Uh, We did apprehend the masked killer last night. It was not Jason Voorhees, but a fraud dressed as him. And um,
0: we're here to talk. We put him
1: in the basement. He's (laughs) he's now another patient of ours.
0: All jokes aside, we're here today to talk about Friday the 13th, part five, a new beginning. The
1: black sheep of the franchise. Ah, uh, yeah. That... One of the black sheep. <laughs> well, definitely
0: one of the black sheeps of the franchise. I think I've used that term as well. Yeah, I think it's... The stinky swan of the group. It's definitely a sore thumb, and it's right in the middle of the pack. It, uh It's a divisive movie. We watched a whole bunch of TV spots beforehand. To, not not to necessarily re familiarize ourselves with the movie we literally just finished watching, but I wanted to get a sense of how it was marketed. Yeah,
1: like how they were selling it as as a new Jason movie. But they tiptoed. They did. Kind of. They're like a new killer is born, maybe. <laughs>
0: And so, with that in mind, here's here's a quick little refresher on uh, on Friday the Thirteenth: A New Beginning. <laughs>
2: Alone. (laughs) Friday the 13th, part 5, a new beginning. Severe trauma at age 12. Brutal self-defense, murder of a psychopathic killer. Boy, they've given him every therapy they can think of. It's wonder his mind isn't fried with all the drugs I've given (laughs) him. that was buried with Jason, has been reborn, and suddenly, terror has become child's play. (coughs) Friday the 13th, part 5, a new beginning.
0: So, kind of ambiguous. Like, they're maybe leaning toward the idea that Jason is back. Maybe it's Tommy Jarvis. I'll say that some of the TV spots, just because there's like a t- there's ten of them, really lean into that a little more so than some of the others. But I think, you know, like you're trying to get butts in the seats.
1: Well, also, so what year is this film?
0: This is 1985.
1: So it's two years after the last one, maybe? One year. W- one year. And the last film was billed as the end of... Of the franchise, so that by saying it's a new beginning and the way that they're teasing it in the marketing is mainly, like, kind of a (laughs) take-backs of all of the marketing that came out for the film that they had just seen already.
0: Yeah, I I guess also, too, like, hey, if you've never seen one of these or you've skipped the last four, then you can come check this one out. No big deal. Fresh start.
1: That's true. It's really fucking funny getting deeper and deeper into this franchise. I love it. And the time jump. The Friday the Thirteenth franchise is the most liberal with time. <laughs> yeah, I actually pulled up a timeline because I oh, was, let's see it. I, w- I wanted to know what year this was set can because
0: I, okay, can I can I kind of try and take a guess?
1: Okay, so, so what uh, what year is the very first Friday the Thirteenth? Nineteen
0: eighty. Takes place in nineteen eighty. So
1: it's actually set the summer of nineteen seventy nine.
0: Oh, because okay, it's a documentary. Uh, <laughs> it came out the year after the events happened. Exactly. Uh, uh, <laughs> so and but,
1: Wednesday, June thirteenth. Not a Friday.
0: Wednesday, June thirteenth. The
1: remake sets it in the eighties, which is actually a Friday. So
0: th- but the then, original
1: timeline, nineteen June Wednesday, June thirteenth, nineteen seventy nine.
0: And then part two, we go five years in the future, so nineteen eighty four. And then the next, like part two, three, and four, all take place over like a week. And then we I guess skip so we're in nineteen ninety four right now is my guess. That's my definitive answer. Friday the thirteenth, part five, is set in nineteen ninety
1: four. Okay. You have jumped a little bit too much. So oh, you were correct. Do we
0: only go six were, years? Is yeah. it nineteen ninety two?
1: You were correct with the nineteen eighty four. Yeah. Um and then the seventeen year old Tommy Jarvis He's in 17. in October of nineteen eighty
0: nine. Okay. I guess Um, I just assumed he was
1: younger in part four. Oh, and Pinehurst is a halfway house. It's called Pinehurst Halfway House. That's terrible. (laughs) The craziest thing is, so part six takes place in 1990, and then from that point on, we're in, like, the mid-90s. Oh, yeah. A New Blood is 1997. It's craziness. Yeah, because it's always, like, five (laughs) years
0: ago today, seven years ago.
1: We're so far into the future. (laughs) Jason was always in space.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The Friday the 13th Part 5, A New Beginning, set in 1989, is that what you said? Yeah. (laughs) Released in 1985, is currently sitting at a 4.7 out of 10 on IMDb, 18% on Rotten Tomatoes, and 2.4 out of 5 on Letterboxd. Again, uh, I sound like a real broken record here, watching these movies outside. Makes him way better because I in my in my memory for part five at least like the last time we did a franchise rewatch like part five was if not the bottom second from the bottom in my rankings who like it, you know remains to be seen if it's gonna stay there but I liked it more this time than last time
1: I did too it's definitely not campy it's not crystal lakey and it plays out more as a who done it than a Jason Voorhees <laughs> slasher because there's there's no killer killing it's it's all kind of POV and weapon shots and yeah and the killer's not revealed. I mean, we all assume it's Tommy Jarvis or that weird, furtive guy, Roy, who keeps making weird glances at the camera. You know,
0: I think in the interest of keeping the conversation similar to the movie, we should just pretend Roy doesn't exist until the last five seconds of this conversation. How would we do that? <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's kind of a gift that the A New Beginning gave back to the franchise because the, the biggest complaint I always have about any franchise movie, any franchise slasher, is that the, you only get one who done it. Like the first movie is always so rad because you don't know who the killer is and you're just trying to figure out who the fuck it is, right? Like Sc- yeah, like
1: Scream is constantly chasing the the yes. the whodunitiness of the first film. They,
0: they've kind of figured out how to make it a whodunit every time, but it's never as good as the first one. Yeah,
1: the whodunit is always weaker and weaker. And weaker. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but it's it's crazy that they were they figured out a way, for better or worse, to give you another whodunit. I don't know that they really tip far enough into making Tommy Jarvis a believable uh, villain. Well, because
1: their method is literally okay. Well, we just won't show him for a half an hour.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's it. Like they they could treat it like a werewolf movie, right? Where the fuck was he? Well, oh, you're talking about the third act of the movie where he runs off.
1: He's just gone.
0: Because <laughs> they 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 could have definitely, uh, you know, uh, had moments where he woke up in the morning and he's and they're just like, it looks like you haven't slept all night, and he's like, I don't think I did. Like I. I I went into bed, but I woke up standing in front of my window. Like, we could have had at least some conversation about him acting weird overnight and being sleep-deprived.
1: Yeah, because he's really nothing. No! He's a prop in this film. He doesn't say anything. He doesn't do anything. He just is.
0: Yeah, he is a walking, talking self-defense class. That's all. Anytime somebody shows up and, like, punches him on the shoulder more than once, he he defends himself. He overreacts, and he, he treats it as though they are attacking so like that's the, like oh he's a crazy kid who <laughs> knows how to throw a punch he must be the murderer.
1: It's really weird that there was no mention of his sister. Like I'm surprised she no. didn't visit him. He
0: just like looked longingly at a photograph of his family, and I guess we're supposed to assume they're all dead. Pretty much. Yeah, uh, he's he's the survivor of a horror movie. You pretty much always assume that you're the sole survivor.
1: The weirdest thing I think about this movie is. Kind of the styling. Did you get this weird, like, Grease vibe out of it? Everybody is in the 1950s.
0: (laughs) Well, there are two Greasers.
1: Well, and also the diner and the boyfriend with the waitress. The periphery of Pinehurst is the set of (laughs) Grease. They're making calls
0: on the future, Kim. They're trying to say that in the late 80s, early 90s, we will go back to a 50s renaissance. I
1: wonder what year Grease came out.
0: 1975?
1: 77? Oh, oh, wow. What about Grease 2? 82? Hmm?
0: I'm just throwing a number Hmm? out. I have no fucking idea.
1: (laughs) Well, my phone's on airplane mode because it fucks up our recording, so we'll never know. That's true. Yeah, the the greaser vibe. I kind of dig it, but it just doesn't feel campy to me. Like, we kill some kids at a car, maybe the best kill, the best on screen kill in the franchise uh, with the flare.
0: Okay, that's your favorite, huh?
1: I said it's the best. Um, (laughs) My opinion does not factor in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, it's pretty great. I love the flare in the mouth. Yeah. And the diner kill, and these are kind of just incidental kills. Do they relate to the group at all?
0: No, not at all. I mean, I guess the, uh, like, Billy, who gets killed in front of the diner... Um, while he's picking up Lana, the the well, he's the snorting waitress. lines. While yes, while he's doing cocaine in the parking lot, he is one of the medical staff that drops Tommy Jarvis off at the very beginning of the movie. But that's it. Oh, like, that's his. That's just his connection to the movie. Okay, I don't think any of the kills are related whatsoever, and that's one of the weakest parts of this movie. I think is that they don't. They don't understand their killer. They're just like, oh, we need people for him to kill. And, like, that's true.
1: There is quite the body count. Like, the periphery characters alone are six plus deaths. Yeah. Because there's oh, a lot. yeah, oh, there's yeah. the two greasers, there's the waitress and her boyfriend, there's Ethel and Junior.
0: Oh shit! And then there's uh, oh, Demon and, the, and his girlfriend.
1: Demon, oh Demon and his girlfriend, and the other ambulance attendee. Oh yeah. There's like so. many. Wow,
0: that's almost ten people that have no ties to the <laughs> to, to Pinehurst whatsoever. He's killing
1: a lot of people just cause. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's my biggest problem with the movie is that uh, surprise, surprise, we find out that Roy, a paramedic who showed up. After a vicious, brutal attack at Pinehurst where Vic chops up an annoying kid who's trying to give him a chocolate bar <laughs> that is like the
1: biggest egregious of this film is just like oh so we're just having people kill other people willy nilly they're
0: mentally disturbed kids Kim. like <sighs> this is just par for the course and <laughs> I
1: want these lunatics locked
0: up there's too much to talk about in this movie I, I keep trying to like let's let's talk follow oh, a let's, single thread. yeah like oh let's talk about that diner kill or the greasers oh now we're talking about Roy boom the fucking Hubbards are here oh there's the dumb chocolate eating Joey I don't know where to go. I'm very scattershot here.
1: <laughs> it's just a lot. It's an assault on your senses. And I think that is most encapsulated in Ethel and Junior. They're just uh, so fucking much. Can
0: I say, I think they're my least favorite characters of the franchise. They're
1: just too much. Yeah. They're- that's right, Ma. They're too much.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right, Ma.
1: <laughs> they're so hammy. Like, so hammy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't like it. It's like
1: a parody of a Friday the Thirteenth film. You're just like, oh, pull it back a bit. Just pull it back. Yeah, a bit. they're
0: they're just two movies too soon. Like they they should have shown up at like a like a Jason Takes Manhattan scenario in fucking space. In if space. you put them in
1: space, I would have laughed so hard.
0: Oh, especially if they were exactly as they are. Exactly,
1: just like She's just, just making a dirty. fucking stew
0: in space. <laughs> Yeah, they're filthy for no reason. I guess they work in the in the boiler room. Like they're, they're they're working on sure. the sure. Yeah. <laughs> the boiler of the spaceship. I yeah. don't need any
1: context for them. They no. they are just so much. And it really detracts from the seriousness of the film because everything with Tommy Jarvis is played very like this is trauma. Oh yeah, I am Chris Higgins. I have trauma. Yeah, and well,
0: something serious happened to him, and it affected him, and now he's he's possibly a murderer because of it.
1: Yeah, and he's played as quite maybe taking up Jason's reins because Jason keeps appearing in these like hallucinations. My favorite thing about this film Uh is that hallucination Jason, which is a really good band name, by the way,
0: is a great band name.
1: Hallucination Jason. Yeah, (laughs) he's not wearing the same mask as Roy Jason.
0: Bam! I'm so glad you brought this up.
1: I love that Roy Jason has his own fucking mask, but that maybe the smartest thing in the Who Done It is that the film is telling you that Roy is not Jason. That yeah. Roy Jason is not Jason. Because you see
0: Jason. Yeah. And, but when, when there's a kill, you don't see Jason, which but is hilarious. But you finally he...
1: do see Roy Jason, this is so confusing. <laughs> Roy Jason has the blue mask, whereas the Jason that Tommy has been hallucinating yep. is... Jason Jason
0: with a red with a red with uh, the traditional
1: red stripe which I'm assuming he's wearing the exact same mask quote unquote from part four Yeah. yeah which I think is brilliant
0: yeah I love it he also has like the body shape of a Jason like they the actor that they have playing Jason Voorhees is quite good. Uh, like, I love how he looks just like looming behind him in the fucking mirror. That's like one of my favorite shots in the movie where Tommy Jarvis is taking his pills and he looks up and Jason's just in the fucking room with him. I think it looks awesome. Uh, he looks fun just standing in the chicken coop, you know, from, <laughs> from, from Tommy Jarvis's window. But especially when he rises up out of the grave in the cold open of this movie with little baby Corey Feldman in his own backyard filming the intro for this oh, movie. Blah, 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 blah. Just the way Jason rises up out of his shower. Hallow Grave is like Nosferatu-level stuff. It looks awesome. Maybe and it's then, just because there's thunder and lightning. I don't know.
1: And then counterpointed by poor skinny Roy in his jumpsuit. Like, Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, by the time you see him at the end, it's just like it's not Jason's impressive. Jason's so fit.
1: <laughs> Poor Roy.
0: I I need Jason to look like like an overworked farmhand. Like he has to be a tank of a man.
1: Yeah, like he hasn't seen a vegetable in a really long time. So like he's not fat, but he's solid. Yeah, but
0: he's solid. Yeah, that's it. Yeah.
1: Like, he could be hit by farm equipment and not die.
0: And I love that Jason that we see in this movie. I think that's, that's like, one of the bigger bonus points is, like, they knew how to make a good Jason look. They were just like, we're not telling that story, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate. I think you've, you've been trying to watch these movies as uh, as though none of the other ones exist. But... I think
1: I'm trying to watch them as I would have experienced them as they were released. So maybe sure. I had a knowledge of the prior films yeah, 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 kind yeah. of thing and and keeping into account how far apart they were released, like mm-hmm. how familiar I am with part four going into part five. I know, it's only, five. Been, it's
0: only been a year. Yeah, you know, It hasn't been that long of a time. You probably wouldn't be able to get away with a movie like this. Tommy grew up been... as quick
1: as Jason did in part one to uh, part two. Kind oh, of... that's <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> But I, I have less complaints about this movie when I look at it as a franchise overall, like it kind of is a perfect straddle movie. It's not serious enough and it's not goofy enough. It's not doing too, it's not doing enough of either of those two things that the franchise is really known for. And it really decides to veer off into goofy and funny uh, immediately after this, or at least over the top.
1: You also have to think of the horror landscape at this point, because moving forward, we're starting to get films like Leprechaun and stuff like that, where where slashers are not being taken seriously. Oh anymore.
0: yeah, we're deep in the middle of Nightmar- the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise here as well.
1: Exactly. So slashers are starting to become commonplace, and uh, people aren't necessarily going to see them to be frightened with their dates. It's to laugh with their friends.
0: Yeah, and so like that's that's the film's detriment, right? Is that it, it's not fun enough i guess it's got goofy characters but I, I i think that's what they were relying on it's just like we'll just get these characters to act i'm not gonna say intentionally bad that seems insulting but uh contrived they, yeah they, <laughs> they we'd like them to be caricatures but we're gonna put them in a serious movie and that's the downfall of it right
1: yeah honestly what i think the issue is is that this film was intending to be really gory and and super filled with kills because we're we're not focusing on the killer at all. Kind of mm. like in part one where it's all hands and implements and, and stuff B. like that. Yeah, because there's a lot of creative weapon use. We get some shears, we get axes, we get butcher knives, right? The flare. There's tons a of belt? different... A belt is a belt. Used. <laughs> The belt kill could have been fucking gnarly. And so, apparently, (laughs) the sensors went chop, chop, chop. And there's a ton of these death sequences have been cut down. Apparently, the director shot... A bunch of sex scenes as well for the oh, well. film. So there was that one sequence I think we see is like three minutes long. <laughs> um, and there's another one that was cut out completely. But rumor has it is that to manipulate the sensors a bit, that they would be so big on like, oh, we got to cut all these sex scenes, oh. that they would keep the kill stuff. But that didn't work It didn't out work so out. Well. But apparently, there was a really awesome shot of that flare kill where it's a wide shot of him with the flare in his mouth mm. um, and unfortunately we
2: we don't have that say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers Hand Hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.
0: It's the detriment of so many Friday the 13th movies. Like, they really, it, I'm fucking blaming Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert on this one. Some of the movies in this franchise have been chopped to death, and it takes all the personality out of them. New Blood especially, we'll get to it, but this one also I'm hearing, because, yeah, goddamn, I, I like some of the editing, like the really fast cuts around some of the deaths, but it's, uh... Well, there's
1: some, that, again, that are just completely off screen, like yeah. the guy that runs Pinehurst, just like, oh, he's dead.
0: <laughs> Yo, when we find his body, and he's got, like, a railroad spike just driven through his forehead, show me that! God damn, that would have been amazing!
1: Yeah, and, like, there's some disappointing moments too, where Jason does the shears kill to the girl on the blanket, and when we finally see her. He's just got her eyes.
0: So, he, here's the thing. I, I, I think you're right. I think you need to be able to see what's happening there, because he definitely stabs her in the eyes with the shears, Yes, and then closes the shears. Which is... Brutal. Like, but when that's, you see
1: it afterwards, you're like, "Oh, I thought he cut her head off."
0: <laughs> yeah, or just like, yeah, that's that's kind of exactly what I was thinking. Either he cut her head off, or like he he jammed it into her chest or something. Grandpa gets the same kill at the end as oh, well.
1: Poor Grandpa. It's, I
0: think it's also just easy to like throw that makeup on the eyes, you know, and call it a day. But it's it's if you had have seen that, it would have really had
1: emotional weight because grandpa is the only now living family member for Reggie who is one of one oh, of fuck. our favorite final I characters.
0: didn't even necessarily think of that. My uh, Grandpa's great. I love when... Because
1: we kill his brother demon, we go visit his brother demon for some reason. I love grandpa.
0: Grandpa's great. It's sad that he dies. My favorite is that uh, when he asks Reggie to... Or no, sorry, when Reggie's asking, like, can I go see my brother? Demon's gonna be in town. I really wanna go see him. He goes, I don't know, man. Maybe, maybe we'll see. I don't know if that's such a good idea. And Reggie just, like, storm! off and he's just like throwing his chair around and he's huffing and puffing and grandpa just starts laughing like like in a real cute way just like oh I remember being you know 11 and 12 and just like everything was the end of the world and he just like hugs him and kisses him. the like, Reggie the
2: reckless
1: Reggie is really good there's actually a really good moment too um after Pam has discovered like everybody's missing when they go back to they go back to Pinehurst after visiting the brother Pam's going off to find everybody and she's like you you need to be in bed by the time I'm back and, and Reggie's just like I will Yeah. <laughs> and you're just like, Aw, little Reggie
0: <laughs> Yeah, he's 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 Reggie the Reckless, but he's he's a softy. Yeah, his brother Demon is a weird addition to this movie, but he's great.
1: Why does he have so much food in his fucking That is bag? the... F- right?
0: Like, you want an enchilada? You want some egg roll? You want a slice of pizza? <laughs> like, he's got a whole restaurant.
1: His death is the most tragic as well. He never gets out of that shitter. No, I don't love
0: that. Uh, it's totally understandable, you know, you're you're going to prank your boyfriend while he's uh, in, in the outhouse by shaking it. That's funny. Ha ha ha. We can all enjoy that. Ooh,
1: baby. Hanging out to start Ooh, writing a song baby. together
0: <laughs> is weird.
1: Yeah, serenading somebody in... In a fucking outhouse not a good look
0: especially like an R&B song you're just like I don't think we're, we should be doing ooh babies while I'm <laughs> dealing with these damn enchiladas and they are
1: actually talking about shit also <laughs> here's,
0: the, here's the thing though because uh, I, I assume he's a musician right we don't know anything about Demon, but we know that he's he's passing through town. He lives in a van. He looks cool. He's got a cool girlfriend. Uh, I, I assume he's a struggling musician, and that they're just uh, they, they're just like maybe they just start you know singing to each other like they're writing a song or something. It's it's there's only two words to this song, but we've been singing well, there's it also, all night. There's also yeah baby. Oh sorry, there's three words. Yeah baby. You got to get that variation <laughs> in there for the bridge. Uh, we've been walking around singing it all night, so I mean it's it is an earworm. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shame we never got to hear it on the radio. Uh,
1: we moved on a little bit from the gore, but there's something I wanted to mention. People don't really enjoy part five. They're like, eh, fucking Roy. But can you imagine the public sentiment if this was the goriest of the Friday the 13th films? If this was the darkest and That's had the point. best kills? If this film had the best fucking kills people would be like that fucking Roy
0: yeah like he's not Jason but he really took up the mantle he really like those were big shoes to fill and he fucking did it
1: yeah like if, if we got to see some of the creativity because that belt kill
0: yo that belt kill <laughs> is the only one that I'm like okay thank you much I don't need more like just like the idea of of something getting tightened around your head until it squishes like a watermelon I don't like have like, you ever seen those videos where people put elastic bands over a watermelon
1: I don't like that.
0: Yeah, it's just like (laughs) you just keep putting elastic band after elastic band after elastic band and eventually the watermelon explodes. I don't like that. Yeah, that's what happens to his fucking head. So, like, that's the only one that I'm cool with them cutting down. Everything else, give it to me. I want to see it. But um, as much as I hate the Hubbards, I do like... uh, Who are the Hubbards? Hubbards are the, the crazy rednecks that are just making stew all day. okay. When Ethel Hubbard gets killed, I kind of fucking love it. I think it's brilliant. Uh, I, I just, I think it looks... The
1: tomato? <laughs> that's
0: right, yeah. So, like, the hand comes crashing through the window, meat cleaver in the face. She squeezes, like, we don't see it, but we, you know, she squeezes a tomato in her hand, which is obviously her brains. Like, that's, that's what we're visualizing here. I think that's genius. But also, I think we do this with Billy as well, uh, right before he gets uh, killed in the parking lot, where we just, like, zoom real hard in on the eyeballs, uh, which is, like, a straight... George Miller move right out of Mad Max. It looks so awesome. Give
1: us some fucking fear.
0: Yeah, fear. I love a bulging eyeball crash suit. <laughs> it's such a <laughs> specific thing, but goddamn, is it amazing every time. It's
1: because we've been watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Hell yeah. You, you've got a chainsaw thing, you've got an eyeball thing. I
0: do. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't really have a Roy thing. But you're, I think you're really onto something there. Like if this had have been the goriest one of the franchise. We, no one would be rolling their eyes at it.
1: And they were, I believe that they were going for it because yeah. the, the kill count, I think there's 22 That's fucking That's a lot of deaths. people. That's a lot. 22. And I mean, a lot of them are just like, yeah, some greasers drive by and their car doesn't work. And <laughs> a waitress fucking gets scared by a poor cat. That poor cat. Oh,
0: somebody 100% <laughs> threw that cat across uh, the camera.
1: <laughs> I was so upset. That cat <laughs> hit that fucking table. It was like, plonk.
0: I think that might be, one of my favorite scenes of the movie, the whole diner sequence. And maybe it's just because of the pink neon lights. Like, I just think it looks rad. I think it looks awesome. I don't think they're particularly interesting characters. Um, I
1: like the diner sequence too and I have no reason why. I guess
0: Lana's... I like Lana. Billy's just... I don't know. Some Billy kind of, looks
1: like he's a bad boyfriend. I don't know anything does. about him, but I do not trust him.
0: He's got a muscle car that's not in incredible shape.
1: I think it's the receding hairline in the, in the leather jacket. He's I'm like,
0: too old to be going out and doing cocaine on a Friday <laughs> night. <laughs>
1: the two do not go together. You look like an investment banker. <laughs> you look like you're going to talk to me about stocks and bonds.
0: Oh, it's crazy. It's crazy. The Roy thing is also just bullshit. That's the problem. I think story-wise, they dropped the ball with Roy. It makes zero fucking sense.
1: Whoa. You just got really passionate about Roy for a minute there. I thought we were like on board with Roy.
0: No, like I'm on boy with I'm on board with the idea of Roy, but uh, just to at the end of the movie be like, Oh yeah, it was Roy. He had all these
1: newspaper clippings in his wallet. I think he I think he was trying to be Jason. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so he, we find out, is, you know, he's the paramedic who shows up to take away the body of Joey. Of Chocolate at, Bar Boy. Of Chocolate Bar Joey at Pinehurst. Now, I will say, this is maybe headcanon, but I do kind of, like, I did have, like, a oh, poor Joey moment when uh, he goes to help the girls with the laundry and he gets chocolate all over the white sheets and then when he's dead and they've got a sheet draped over him that is just ruined and covered in blood I think it's the same sheet that he stained with chocolate Mm. something something about that is just like so personal and just uh, human that it really hurts I love a detail yeah might all be headcanon who knows I'm gonna watch it again I believe it in my heart of hearts I'm looking for a chocolate stain next time
1: (laughs) whether or not it's true I believe it in my heart of hearts
0: yeah and and, and anyway so like Roy is the paramedic who shows up to pick up up this body. And we do have a lingering shot he's of like, Roy oh. looking off into the <laughs> like distance. Like he's never
1: seen a body before. Yeah, exactly.
0: And like, okay, cool. So I, I, you know, as a viewer, you're like, we're establishing a boy has died. Well,
1: here. also the fact that we've given paramedics names this early on in the in the film. Like, okay, the sheriff, fine. We've dealt mm-hmm. with cops in the franchise before. Yeah. Cops have had names. Generally throw away. But the fact that we're like, oh, Roy.
0: <laughs> it's, it's that when they're cleaning up the greasers and, and the sheriff is just talking to himself about the murders, like, ah, oh, we got a real fucking sicko out here on our hands. And, and Roy's like, just like,
1: you're talking to me? Yeah,
0: you're talking to me, <laughs> Sheriff? And he's like, no, Roy. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were talking to me. You're like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just to remind you, hey, there's a guy named Roy here. Don't be surprised when you see him again at the end of the fucking movie. Uh, and it, yeah, the, the, the sheriff shows up to Pam you know, grief-stricken, so one of the only survivors of the Pinehurst Massacre of 1989.
1: It's me, Pam!
0: <laughs> There's a lot of that. There's a lot. Of, it's me, Pam. But uh, the, the, the sheriff's just like, yep, got Roy's wallet here. Turns out he was Joey's father. Oh, I don't know what the hell happened, but yeah, apparently seeing the dead body of his son that he's neglected all these years, why he left him, we'll never know.
1: And lived in town.
0: And lived in town. It decided to kill everyone. It doesn't I don't know. The motivation is wrong.
1: It's the same motivation that Pamela Voorhees had. It's just poorly written.
0: Agreed, but he kills a whole bunch of people that are unrelated to Pinehurst. If his if his thing was just like it's just a rampage, I, it's,
1: it's it's spree. Yeah. It's not.
0: It's just weak. You know, like it's not. It's there's not enough there for it. Like I, I think the psychology of Roy is piss poor, <laughs> and I think they could. You know, like maybe maybe we would care less if the kills were better. But I'm sure at the end, of, like, there are so many slashers we've all seen where at the end they're just like, oh, it turns out it was this guy because of this reason. You're like, you gave me none of that yeah. in the last 80 minutes. You had so much time to establish who the killer was and why they were doing and it.
1: And if you do step back and and come from a place where part six exists, you're like, you guys were perfectly happy to just fucking reanimate his corpse yeah. because it made money. So wh- why did we even do part five? Like, why were we even trying? And they're like, no, no. We're going to we're going to start a new trilogy where it. Jason isn't the killer and uh, everybody's going to fucking buy it and then that didn't work and they were like reanimate the dead guy.
0: Yeah, they could have just
1: done it all along. It's
0: nuts. It's nuts. Like they didn't do enough to 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 make Roy the killer. They didn't do enough to make Tommy the possible killer.
1: Oh, the ending where, like, Tommy's like, mmm. And then there's
0: also that. Like, it's, there's, if
1: Tommy was going to be the killer, he should have already been the killer.
0: Yes. Like, I don't understand how this is the thing that's going to finally tip him over the edge. But it's, it's ambiguous from part four through to the end of part five, whether Tommy Jarvis is going to be a killer.
1: I know, and then they're like, oh, Tommy wasn't the killer. He's the hero. And then they're like, oh, wait, no, Tommy oh, might maybe, be a killer maybe again. Now he's, he's finally crazy <laughs> enough. Fuck yeah
0: yeah it's unfortunate um i do think it's i do think it's a good movie i i think it's fun it's uh it's not fun enough unfortunately you know but it is and like that and that's that's kind of the definition of a black sheep it's just like hey you know like if you if you spend a little time with him get to know him a little he's not so bad and that is kind of how i feel about part five
1: I, and i think too after this viewing i might be more likely to pull it out of the box than i would have previously like when we yes. when we look at the whole franchise and you're just gonna watch one. I probably would have initially been like, eh, we don't need five. But as a standalone
0: not bad as not a, a bad idea. Yeah. And and the other thing is you still get Jason. Like you still get some Jason.
1: Also, in terms of it being like a black sheep, this is one that you could show your non horror friends when they're like, Oh, let's watch a slasher movie, it's the summer. Oh, that's true. You could show them this and they will have no idea what's fucking going on.
0: That's true, yeah, <laughs> and and regardless of whether or not they've seen another Friday the Thirteenth movie, they can totally follow along. They get it. Like the whole idea is, like, you know who Jason is. Don't worry, he's not here. <laughs> like, that's that's the movie.
1: We well, don't even need to say that, really.
0: Oh man, all the
1: furtive glances will tell you everything you need to know. <laughs> uh, is it? Is there even a point in raiding the like the camp? There is no camp. It's just Pinehurst. Yeah, Pinehurst is not. Uh... They also have a barn. <laughs> <laughs> the bane of our existence.
0: I, okay, I'll say at least on on critiquing Pinehurst, it's not in a great location. And we all know the most important thing is is location, location, location. Is it's, there even a lake? I don't think there's any. There's definitely a river nearby uh, because what's-his-face goes to wash up oh, true. after they have sex. Uh, but it's located right Next door to a family that you absolutely want nothing to deal with.
1: Yeah, they are one soup away from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre.
0: I You know, okay, if, if, if we can sort of step away from talking about the camp a little bit, we can talk about the campers. We didn't say a goddamn thing about Violet, and she's awesome in this movie. I
1: love Violet's hair and her terrible dancing.
0: yeah but Hey, it's, it's of the time. She's trying to dance the dance of the future, baby. <laughs> <But I laughs> yeah,
1: that's just... true. That we are in the future. She is, she is ahead of her time.
0: I just love that she's obsessed with music. And, like, like, super obsessed with music. She always has headphones in. She's never not listening to music. That's a cool thing for her character. It seems like the other girl, uh, whose name I do not remember, is obsessed with old movies. Because I saw her watch a old movie once. <laughs> right before she died. Oh, man. Her boyfriend, the stuttery dude. That's
1: not her boyfriend.
0: Her, that's not her boyfriend. But they definitely, there is a tension between the two of them that she's not ready to recognize and he's trying real hard to bring up but is super embarrassed. His death sucks just cuz like he goes out on a limb he, like he's he's got his heart on his sleeve and she kind of rejects him. She humiliates him and then he gets a fucking meat cleaver in the face
1: and ends up in her bed. Yeah, it's it's sad. So yeah, hey
0: at the at the you know if his life goal was to wind up was to spend a night in her bed, he got it. Oh. <laughs> oh, sad. So Kim, how would you rate Friday the Thirteenth Part Five: A New Beginning.
1: I think I'm going to give it a two out of four.
0: I'm going two point five on this one. I think uh, I would have thought to have, I'd rated a two two out of four, but I still think it's pretty. I just think it's pretty good. It's not a hundred percent one of my favorites, but I'm putting it ahead of Part Three in my franchise ranking. Wow, I'm really not a big fan of Part Three.
1: Yeah, I don't really. Like Man, part fuck, three it's either. tough.
0: Chuck and Chili are great. Yeah. So my ranking, uh, I'll just to give you a little time to think on yours, uh, is is currently still part two, part one, part four, part five, part three.
1: Okay, so I think I am one, two, four, three, five. Man, do I like?
0: Man, that's real tough. That might change. That might change. I, I feel
1: like we're starting to get so many films in. We need to write these down so we remember.
0: I started a letterbox list. Why haven't
1: you? One, two, four, three, five. I think that's it man is part 5 below part 3
0: i'm going to have to i'm going to have to think on that a little bit and get back to you guys i'm this list is fluid it could change at any minute
1: that's true and i guess we co- sort of already talked about our jason <laughs> ranking Roy doesn't count. Roy does not count. Um, dream Jason is great.
0: Yeah, I love Dream Jason. Love a Dream
1: Boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roy's just a little too skinny.
0: He, he's yeah. He's he, does he not bought
1: that if he he could have just bought the jumpsuit one size bigger and maybe he could have <laughs> put some pillows in there. Well, no, he could have just passed as a little bit wider than he is. It's when he when they do those wide shots and he's like stomping towards the barn and you're like, Jason, you, are you wearing a corset? <laughs> <laughs>
0: You really you really slim down for this. Yeah.
1: You looking snatched. Cut that water weight <laughs> finally. It's all that cayenne pepper water.
0: <laughs> oh, way to go, Roy. Yeah. I mean, hey, at least he at least he went the whole mile. He's like, I got a mask. I got a jumpsuit. I got 17 different murder weapons. I'm ready to go. I
1: haven't washed my hands in 3 weeks, Yeah, which was really hard because I, I drive a an ambulance. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Damn! All right. Well, I got that's... Tommy
1: to make me a cowl, and during his fugue state, <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's uh, that's what we thought of Friday the Thirteenth Part Five: A New Beginning. Let us know what you think of this black sheep of the franchise. Talk to us in the comments here at Patreon, in the Nightmare and Film Street Discord, in the Fiend Club channel, and yeah, share share your rankings with us. Let us know where this one falls.
1: Thank you so much for supporting us here on Patreon. Nightmare on Film Street is a labor of love and terror, and we couldn't do it without you. Everything we do here is done by John and myself. All of the ambiance you're hearing has been John editing in the late night hours (laughs) in time to get these out every Friday. Um, And I, I I think we're getting addicted. I feel like every every bonus podcast oh, yeah. we do now is gonna have some weird fucking sound effects because it's just so good.
0: Yeah, we, some sort of interesting thing. We we talked. We, we've got some ideas for like a Halloween franchise rewatch, but I mean, the, what are the, we gonna
1: have? Rustling leaves constantly.
0: The timing is not. I don't want to give away the surprise right <laughs> now, but the, the the timing is not right because we're gonna be releasing these Friday the Thirteenth episodes into October, unfortunately. <laughs> so that'll be more of a next year thing. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what we do for like the Hellraiser franchise rewatch. Are we going to just like start?
1: You know, lots of chains. <laughs> lots of chain.
0: Lots of chains. We have to scratch off at least an inch of our own skin per episode, <laughs> <laughs> and we have to say we ha- we can't stop recording until we solve Rubik's cube.
1: Just faint faint screaming in the background, like we're just like at the gates of hell waiting in line. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, uh, we'll be back at you again next Friday, Camp Crystal Lake time, with another episode of Midnight at Camp Blood. But until then. I'm Kim.
0: I'm John. Stay
1: campy.
2: We've spared your soul this week, fiend, but only because you've earned it. More exclusive content can be found lurking at nofspodcast.com slash Fiend Club. Until next time, stay creepy, fiends.